Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Let's take a quick break. You know what's one of my favorite things to do post-dancing rehearsal? Not going to lie, it's putting on some sweatpants immediately and having a drink. You all know I love a glass of wine or two, but I also like to switch it up. So lately, Jason and I have been making a little cocktail at night using Rum Haven. Rum Haven believes Mother Nature did things right, so it's crafted using real coconut water and not using artificial preservatives or flavorings. It is so incredibly refreshing. I mentioned I like to add it to a cocktail, but it's also actually great over ice with a splash of club soda. It tastes like I'm on vacation, sitting on an island somewhere far, far away which is without a doubt a great feeling, especially during these crazy times. So make sure to follow at Rum Haven on Instagram because they post all types of these seasonal recipes. They do giveaways and tips. Plus, when you go to discover.rumhaven.com, you can find their latest blogs, quizzes, and any promotions they have going on. On one of their latest blog posts, they actually have some tips about planning your virtual watch party, which is pretty perfect since everyone's favorite reality show is back on Tuesdays. Be sure to have a little virtual drink with me, sip some rum haven, maybe even while you're listening to the pod. Let me know what you think. Celebrate more for less at HomeSense. More yummy, the best cookware by far. And three cheers for bar. More I love it gifts from chocolate to spa to ooh la la. HomeSense, cheer is here. Hey everyone, this is John Roca from Collider. Every car comes with its share of stories. That ding in your bumper when you nervously picked up a first date, the luxury package you got after a big promotion, or the mileage you saved by riding your bike all summer. While you can't put a price tag on your stories, now with True Car, you can at least find out what your car's worth when it's time to sell or trade it in. Just go to True Car, simply enter your license plate number, and watch how your car's details pop up. Then answer a few questions. Navigation and moonroof? Watch as they bump up your value. High mileage? You already knew it was going to cost you, but now you know how much it dings your wallet so you can plan ahead. Once you're finished, you'll get a true cash offer sent in minutes, which you can take to a local certified dealer to cash out or trade in. So, when you're ready to experience a better way to sell or trade in your car, check out True Car today. True cash offer not available in all areas. Let's take a quick break. You know what's one of my favorite things to do post-dancing rehearsal? Not going to lie, it's putting on some sweatpants immediately and having a drink. You all know I love a glass of wine or two, but I also like to switch it up. So lately, Jason and I have been making a little cocktail at night using Rum Haven. Rum Haven believes Mother Nature did things right, so it's crafted using real coconut water and not using artificial preservatives or flavorings. It is so incredibly refreshing. I mentioned I like to add it to a cocktail, but it's also actually great over ice with a splash of club soda. It tastes like I'm on vacation, sitting on an island somewhere far, far away which is without a doubt a great feeling, especially during these crazy times. So make sure to follow at Rum Haven on Instagram because they post all types of these seasonal recipes. They do giveaways and tips. Plus, when you go to discover.rumhaven.com, you can find their latest blogs, quizzes, and any promotions they have going on. On one of their latest blog posts, they actually have some tips about planning your virtual watch party, which is pretty perfect since everyone's favorite reality show is back on Tuesdays. Be sure to have a little virtual drink with me, sip some rum haven, maybe even while you're listening to the pod. Let me know what you think. Celebrate more for less at HomeSense. More yummy, the best cookware by far. And three cheers for bar. More I love it gifts from chocolate to spa to ooh la la. HomeSense, cheer is here. 
happy Saturday morning here on this wonderful day at Collider Video. We got Collider Mailbag coming to you. But look, this weekend is full of Game of Thrones. That's the big deal. So I had to bring on Dennis Zane to be my guest here on Saturday because tomorrow we've got a massive uh, uh, review of the first episode dropping that we're going to be on talking about. Yeah, we're going to do it live. Yeah, we're going to do it live, which is crazy. uh, But we're excited about it all coming back. You have been hosting Watching the Throne with Ashley. Watch the Throne, yeah. Right, right. So tell me about all this has been happening with you. With yeah, this. I mean, we started a weekly podcast kind of in the vein, if people are familiar with our Rule of Two podcast, mm-hmm. where it's not so much news dependent and just more kind of topic dependent, a right. lot of evergreen stuff. Obviously, with the new the final season starting, we're going to talk about what happens in the final season, but it, it will be more you know, concentrating on one subject matter. We, we've been doing that uh, weekly. You can find that on the, the podcast or on the main YouTube channel. And right. then on Sundays, you, me, Ashley, and Haley are yeah. going to be doing reviews. We're going to watch the episode episode as soon as they drop at 6. Mm-hmm. Then we're going to do a live review right. probably around 7.30 to 8. Sure. Because depending on how long the episodes are. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, from there, I mean... I'm excited. I've been doing my rewatch. Uh, yeah, my Twitter feed is full of people rewatching oh, game. I don't know where you people find the time to rewatch that many episodes of a show while you're doing other things, but people are finding time. It's pretty it, incredible. It's the new age of VOD and, and yeah. uh, mobile, and like I'm watching my TV, I'm watching on my phone, I'm what you know what I mean. Like it's, like, I think one time I had, like watched it like my car as I was driving. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that doesn't sound dangerous no, at all. <laughs> no, um, but you know what I mean. Like yeah. it's. it's just it's much more convenient than back in the day when I remember I you know when the first season came out it wasn't such a Game of Thrones wasn't a thing yeah, yeah right yeah they had it you couldn't watch like you could only watch it like when they aired it on Sunday and they. Yeah, only mm-hmm. had it at like whatever nine nine p.m. Yeah, so. yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to it. You know, I've been part of the Game of Thrones collided coverage for the last two or three years, so I'm excited to come back and be a part of it and get back into everything Game of Thrones and find out what happens yeah. to everybody. White Walkers, Cersei, the nine, Daenerys. We're going to find out. Jon Snow. We're going to find out. Sounds all that. That's Sunday night. But today, this is Collider Mailbag, and you know, this is driven by the questions that you all send in. The great Collider video fans send in there, putting that hashtag Collider Mailbag on your responses when we put out the call on social media, on Instagram, and on Twitter. And of course, you guys email them as well, mailbag at collider.com. I pour through those, pick out a bunch of questions, send them to my guest. My guest picks out five that excite him and that or her, and then we jump into it. So let's get to it. Were you ready? Yep. All right, let's do it. The first question, it's an email from Gerald underscore A underscore Sims. He writes... Hey, Roka, and esteemed Collider colleague. There you go. Fellow nerd here, and I love the show. My question is, since DC movies are now called Worlds of DC, would you like it if stories occurred in different timelines or Earths? Take the new Joker movie, for instance. How would you feel if near the end of the movie, Joker ends up killing Bruce, and then Thomas Wayne kills the Joker, and that's the start of Thomas Wayne becoming Batman, and Martha going crazy, and becoming the new Joker? I think that would be fun, since it would be like a different timeline or world and be separate from the current Justice League universe. Thanks for taking my question. Dennis. Well, first of all, is Worlds of DC, is that the official name? Like, where is this coming from? Because yeah, I know people that's what were calling they said. Okay. So a couple of people involved with DC said we're calling it Worlds of okay. DC. Terrible name. Yeah, Terrible. well, <laughs> yes. I'm not going to lie to you, but it does infer else worlds. So I know, I know. Um, so what do I think about it? It's tough. Like, from the standpoint of, like, a... a a standalone story, I think mm-hmm. it's great. You know, I love Elseworld stories mm-hmm. from DC. You're talking about like Kingdom Come. You're talking about Red Sun, Superman. Right. Some of my favorite comic books ever. 
but then now you're talking about the movie universe where not a lot of people are, are like you and me are up, right. up and As up on versed, this stuff. Yeah, yeah. And them going into it, and they're like, "What? Bruce Wayne dies, and Thomas Wayne's been like." I fear that they may get confused. <laughs> I like the idea of having these standalone separate stories, but I like it like the way that they did Logan, where it was set in a different time period, mm-hmm. way in the future, or you can do something way in the past. And then that way, if there is anything there that doesn't kind of jive with 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 the rest of the canon, yeah, so to speak, yeah. it doesn't really affect anyone. So that's where I kind of have a little issue with that. I think from a story standpoint from just the movie i think it's great but i think for fans like the casual fans that's going to be too confusing i think it's a i think it's a good point you bring up you know and this idea of well because essentially what the gerald sims is laying out here is flashpoint what happens yes. in flashpoint right you know flash goes back thomas wayne is batman and ends up giving a letter that he gives to flash flash gives that letter to bruce when he comes back to the present timeline and bruce breaks down reading it which is this great closure moment between father and son that's awesome but i think there's a possibility here dennis because people are going to see these movies in mm-hmm. large numbers now, so I wonder how many of them are actually taking the time to read up on the lore and the and get themselves versed on the history of these uh, characters, and would be willing to like now that we're at this point, almost what ten to twelve years into the superhero explosion, are willing now to open the door to these possibilities of alternate Earths and timelines, what have you. It's already happening in the Flash show mm-hmm. the last four seasons. You have stuff like Deadly Class, you have stuff like Umbrella Academy, these lesser known properties that come through and do their thing. So I think there's an appetite for it, and there's a studio that wants to try it. I think DC, if depending on how the Joker movie goes, I think that's a first like trial balloon to see if people would be into it because we see Thomas Wayne being a very prevalent part of that trailer, and so will that be something that they explore? We'll see. But I like the idea that they're trying it out. And I would love to see them open the door to it. But I think it's like a Star Wars story. It'll depend on the box office. It'll depend on the reaction from the fans to what they're doing. Also, I think you need to establish the universe much more yeah, in yeah. order. Cause, like you could do this with Marvel, don't you think? But with DC, there's still yeah, more time. I mean, they even did with Fox with, with Logan because they, oh, had, they had established yep. the character through all the X-Men movies yes. and then his own spinoffs. And he, you know what I mean? Where... Joker, this is his first movie. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he's yeah. been a big part of the Batman universe, but we've had different iterations. And technically, in this current universe, we've seen him only in, um, whatchamacallit, in Suicide Squad. Right, in Suicide Squad, yeah, yeah. That's it. Yeah, true. He, true. he was barely in it. So right. we have not the Heath Ledger Joker, right? Exactly. We haven't yeah. established that Joker yet. So yeah. that's where it, it, you know, and even the Batman, like Batman, you have. He didn't have a standalone movie yeah, yet. He you don't didn't even like have a Batman a movie. Yeah. And now you're like, okay, well, let's just change his origin completely. Right, and right. Like I said, if you do do it, it's you've got to build it up, and people have got to know that, okay, from the start, this is something separate. I hope – look, I know I'm crazy, and a lot of people have said this uh, about the possibility that – it could be the Joker who kills Thomas Wayne in this movie, which sparks Batman, and you still have a Batman that can mm-hmm. be set in the 90s or early 2000s as a younger guy. And then you can bring back Joaquin, because the thing about the Joker is the Joker never ages, right? In all the comics, the Joker never ages. So he's, so, Paul, so he's Paul Rudd. He's kind of Paul, yeah, he's Paul <laughs> Rudd, right, drinking the, the blood of virgin babies. But, like, that's all possible here that you can make work, and people who are fans of the property will accept it because the Joker never ages. Mm-hmm. So that would be, except in Dark Knight Returns, 
returns. So that would be something to possibly explore, but we'll see. What do we got next? All right. On the email, I think you you picked this one just for just for me. I really did. Yeah. I, I was uh, hoping you'd pick it. <laughs> uh, uh, MRGJR writes, Hello, Weekend Crew. This last week, ESPN Plus and the UFC announced that the only way to purchase UFC pay-per-views is to have an ESPN Plus subscription. They added a small discount for the pay-per-views as a kicker. Essentially, that means we MMA fans have no choice but to subscribe. That got me thinking about the upcoming Disney Plus service. Right now, I have YouTube TV, but when Disney Plus becomes available, you know they're going to offer a combo of Disney Plus, ESPN Plus, and Hulu TV. And with the back catalog on Disney and the MCU content, along with ESPN, they seem to have every demographic covered, along with enough cash to fund tons of original content. I'm not sure who's going to be able to compete against that. I'm starting to get concerned that Disney is getting too big, but I'm still going to subscribe to their <laughs> service based on the content that I enjoy. It doesn't seem like I really have a choice but to subscribe. Am I incorrect in this assessment? <laughs> Thanks, and have a great weekend. Well, look, you're not incorrect. You have a choice. You always have a choice. That is, that's where you're possibly incorrect is that you do have a choice, but you're not incorrect in that it feels like you don't because they have so much, uh, uh, material, so much content that you want to watch and get a hold of and see. And if your interests are like Collider's interests where we have gaming and sports and movie TV stuff, you know, you want to get a taste of everything. They will probably have a combo like what you're predicting that will go together and where you'll go with that. But yeah, it seems Seems like a lot, but I don't know if anybody aside from Netflix really could compete with Disney, and that's probably why Disney may has made all these moves and planned out, you know, uh, almost sixty to sixty-five percent of the content that will be coming out film-wise mm-hmm. is is connected to Disney. So why wouldn't they do this in the TV realm as well? Yeah, I mean, for me, I mean. <laughs> I subscribe to both ESPN Plus and Hulu TV, mm-hmm. and I'm sure when Disney. Uh, Plus comes out as long as it's not a crazy amount of money. Right. And also, uh, I'll probably get that as well. And hopefully, they have some sort of package deal where I can get a discount on that. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, this is unlike other stuff where you do have a choice. This isn't like a monopoly when it comes to... I don't know, power or gas or mm. electricity right, or, right, right. or even tech stuff like phones or whatnot. Like, um, you have a choice. Mm-hmm. And also, there can be other studios. I mean, okay, yeah, Disney has the big IP, Star Wars and Marvel and, and all this other, all the Disney stuff and now the Fox stuff. But you have to remember, IP and and this type of creative stuff can be created. Yeah, yeah, stuff yeah. can be created. There's nothing stopping any other studio from creating something new that's popular. That's like, there's no monopoly on that. Right. That's what I think is, is different than other areas where you'd be like, oh man, this monopoly of X, Y, and Z. And, and maybe it would be more of a concern back in the day when like, okay, uh, you only got your TV from from these channels and mm. it's only through cable and movies are only th- now everything's like yeah streaming so like anyone can start a stream i mean that's what DAZN is which is a competitor yeah. to espn they came out of nowhere they, they raised a ton of money and now they they're really i feel like they're the biggest threat to espn more so than like fox sports mm-hmm. and so i it's a little tough where yes you can say they have monopoly because they own all those creative properties but 
other stuff can be created yeah, I think anytime. That, I think that's a great point you bring up, Dennis. You know, the mark of this country is someone comes up with an idea, someone comes up with another idea to compete with that idea because they're motivated that that idea works. So yeah. maybe people see what Disney's doing, Hulu Plus, uh, uh, ESPN Plus, all of that, and they get involved in a, in a different way, creating something else, creating other content, they get inspired to create another mm-hmm. channel of the content, like you said, with the zone. We see Uber, we see Lyft, right? There's mm-hmm. m- multiple things you can get involved in there. So why would wouldn't there be why wouldn't this lead to motivation for people to create separate channels or streaming services that might be better? You know, if you own a Roku, mm-hmm. every day they or every week they add new channels that have limited content, but it's still streaming content that you can watch. And some of these like little channels maybe have ten things on them. That's it, but they're still compiled in a sort of st- streaming service. I watched old Looney Tunes cartoons the other day for like thirty minutes because they were compiled in a certain way on this particular app that was available on the Roku. So everything is possible. You see this. It can be overwhelming, but it might be also inspiring for somebody who's thinking farther ahead about how they can use that to inspire them to do something else. Yeah, I mean, do you remember the whole Walmart uh, kind of controversy? I think it was in like the late 90s Mm. where Walmart was going around to different small towns and they would open up shop and then because you know the prices mm. are lower they would kind of run the mom and pop stores right, out, out of business, business. Yeah. and then they themselves would close down and then the mm-hmm. small towns would have nothing right this is different because walmart is selling the same goods yeah. to two people and they're doing it at a lower price and so they're competing on that level in this case the other streaming services are not selling the exact same goods right right, right. they're creating they can either acquire or create different uh, IP. So mm-hmm. it's just one of those things where, yes, it, it does blur that line, but at the same time, it's not exactly the same. Exactly. There's always hunger for more. You yeah. never know what you can create. All right, uh, this next question is from Twitter. It's at Chris J. Goodman. He asks, if Benioff and Weiss bring over a hashtag Game of Thrones actor slash actors into their Star Wars trilogy, who would you want it to be? My choice would be Peter Dinklage, Collider Mailbag. Uh, I love Peter Dinklage. He's a great actor. Tyrion is my favorite character on Game of Thrones. Tons of great characters. Um, You know, you already have uh, Amelia Clark was in Solo. Gwendolyn Christie in Force Awakens and The Last Jedi. Mm -hmm. I would go with Lena Headey. I think she's a fantastic actress. I think she could play some sort of politician in the realm of the Star Wars universe. I, I think a lot of the characters can transfer over. Not just because of the Benioff and Weiss connection, but, you know, Star Wars is a space fantasy, a science fiction fantasy, so it lends itself to that world. I mean, obviously, it's a much more PG version yeah, right, right, right. Of, of what Game of Thrones is, but you could take a lot of those actors mm-hmm. and characters and move them over, and so I'm not against having... Mm-hmm. Some of the not you don't want to have the whole cast of Game of Thrones just transfer over <laughs> to there, but I, I wouldn't mind seeing certain yeah. actors, certain big actors, be in in that world. Well, you know, you look at Lenny Hetty. There's nothing as you were talking. It kind of occurred to me. Wouldn't it be funny if they kept uh, 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 Emilia Clarke's character in the Star Wars universe, mm-hmm. and it is Lena Hetty thirty years later? She is like the Emilia Clarke later on mm-hmm. in the world. That would totally work as well. You mentioned Gwendolyn Christie, Max von Sydow, Julian Glover, Keisha. Castle Hughes, Jessica Henwick, Thomas Brody mm-hmm. Sangster, all these people being involved in it. And it kind of comes back to Nina Gold, who casts Game of Thrones and 
some of the Star Wars movies. So you see, there's a connection yeah. here. The th- ones that stood out for me, though, are Richard Madden. I love to see Richard Madden okay. do something involved there. Natalie Dormer would be fantastic. Oh, yeah. Any way you want to go with Natalie Dormer. Uh, Christoph Hivju, who does Tormund, I would love to see him as some kind of warrior, oh, a yeah. bad or a battle guy in it. Or Pilo Asbeck as well, who does Euron Greyjoy. Both of these actors have really kind of used Game of Thrones to up their Q uh, uh, quotient and mm. and be seen, you know, by other casting directors. Wouldn't you love to see these more? larger, bigger, manlier kind of guys get involved in some form of Star Wars on one of these planets and, ha- and be warriors in some way. You know, we're, we've got Chewbacca, we've got Anso Luke Skywalker, but where's the big burly dudes? We rarely <laughs> get big burly dudes in Star Wars, So these, and Game of Thrones is full of them, so I'd love to see those guys get a shot at playing something like that and be like awesome, badass warriors yeah. in that way. So. Uh, Ian Glenn for, uh, that plays uh, mm. Jorah Mormont, I yep. think, would be another great addition. And Natalie Dormer, she was in Hunger Games, right? Right. Right. Yeah, another f- big franchise. Though I yeah. think her character was a little disappointing because I think she was like a like a reporter or something like yeah, that. Yeah. I thought she was going to be like a warrior or something but, like that. No, she was just a reporter. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Uh, what's our next question? All right. We've got from email. Uh, Luis Cardenas writes, Hello from Mexico. The Russo brothers have announced in a trailer that Endgame was filmed with IMAX cameras. I have two questions. Is it way more expensive to film a movie with this kind of camera? If the answer is yes, is it profitable to shoot it like this, taking into consideration that the amount of IMAX screens around the world are like the 2%, or is it just for publicity? Thanks for answering my question. Roca, you're killing it. Keep the great work. Oh, thanks, Luis. Um... I put a bunch of things down here, Dennis, but you're the production guy. I think you can speak to this a little more knowledgeably than I can. What What do you have to say about that? I mean, yes, it is more expensive, but not... It- the way they're shooting, they shot it on the the new the digital IMAX, which is basically a uh, Aria Alexa sixty five. Right, it's customized uh, for IMAX, particularly back at like someone like Nolan, right? That shoots not his entire movie, but he'll shoot, shoot certain scenes, like in Dunkirk. Yeah, 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 yeah. in seventy millimeter. That's much more expensive because now mm-hmm. you're you're using these much larger, heavier cameras that are going to you know incur crew cost and also the film cost is yeah. not cheap and the processing but in the overall scheme of a movie budget it's still not you know what i mean mm-hmm. like most of the money is going always to like actors and visual effects that's yeah, where yeah, most that's of the money goes, money goes. <laughs> um and so yeah it's more expensive less so with the digital stuff uh, i think the from what i've read the infinity war infinity war and endgame were the first two movies to actually be filmed entirely yeah. with uh, the uh, the re uh, alexa 65 mm-hmm. And because usually it's just certain scenes, like yeah. I said, like with Nolan's movies and o- other people. Mm-hmm. So is it profitable? I mean, it's profitable enough. I mean, we, you know, we do stuff with IMAX. I go to their, they got nice looking yep. headquarters over there. They do imply a Vista. Yeah. yeah. Um, so they, they, there must be enough profit there. I think from the filmmaker side, that's less about profit right. and more about publicity and just more from a creative aspect. They're like, oh, we want to have that scope. I mean, 60, you know, the, the RE65, it's supposed to you get close to that 70 millimeter size. Mm-hmm. It's 6K resolution, which is larger than most of the other digital stuff. But I mean, you know, uh, I, I think the filmmakers decide on that. And then if the studio can afford it, they'll agree to yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And not many people 
can catch the difference, right? Because their yeah. eyes aren't trained necessarily. But I think it's more for the filmmaker to expand his his or her abilities yeah. to use that kind of equipment and use that kind of technology to do whatever. I mean, filmmakers love, including George Lucas, starting with George, like they love to be on the forefront of digital technology and seeing what it can do for film. So you see something like IMAX, and seeing an IMAX movie in IMAX is phenomenal. Yeah. It's incredible. Uh, whatever my feelings about Aquaman, it was still nice seeing it in IMAX. But really, First Man was gorgeous oh, in yeah. IMAX. I saw that in IMAX yeah. as well. And the, the landing sequence. The landing sequence alone, that is worth it for that experience and the price you pay for the ticket. So you say, is it is it profitable? It is if enough people go and because the tickets are like $25, $30 for an IMAX seat. So you're getting that kind of return in that way. So in time, though, will it go the way of 3D? I don't know. Or, or will it stay? But I feel like they're you know talking to people at IMAX and people at Real D. It is something they are fighting to keep in the theater, fighting mm-hmm. to have in the theater's technology. So why not? I and the people love and the IMAX. Now there are more IMAX screens at your local multiplex than there ever was before. Mm-hmm. So it feels like there's a hunger for it or a demand for it from the public. Yeah, th- I think the biggest thing with IMAX is. Th- less so the demand from the consumer, okay. but more about competition from other premium format providers. Oh, good point. Like yeah. uh, Dolby Cinema yeah. has their own, and I think uh, THX, THX is coming out with their own now. Oh, wow. Okay. You know, back in the day, THX was a big thing that kind of yeah. disappeared for a while. Now they're coming out with their own stuff. So, <laughs> so I think that's the biggest thing. I think people want to and are willing to pay for the larger formats. Yeah. I know I am for certain movies. Yeah. I'm not paying that I'm not watching some rom-com on the IMAX screen, but you know what I mean? Seeing right. Star Wars or or the, one of the MCU movies or one of the that's DC movies, mm-hmm. that's worth it. So I, I don't think they're going anywhere. I think the competition is, is more with other formats versus the demand. That's a fair point. I, you know, and that's what I, I always feel the same way when I see a 4K for a movie. I'm like, there's no reason that should be 4K. You know, that's just fine in the regular format. Yeah. Why are you trying to 4K a rom-com or a simple <laughs> movie or an Adam Sandler movie? Like, what are you doing? It makes no sense. All right, our last question. Uh, it is from Twitter. It's from at Max Zigoof. Who is an actor or actress that has yet to be in a Western, but that you would love to see in one? Of course, I choose this because I'm the outlaw. My choice is Richard Dormer, because if for no other reason, then that voice belongs in a Western. Dennis. Yeah, I mean, people know that you're a big fan of Westerns. Yes. I'm a big fan of Westerns. I, I came to it later, though. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just one of those things that, as a child, I, I didn't gravitate towards. Yeah, I just, yeah. Especially because the, the ones I saw were cheesy, mm-hmm. you know. Cheesy ones, um, but I was thinking about it. I mean, because a lot of actors, you'll like look at their uh, IMDb and they're like, and then you'll see, oh, they did do a western, but it was like, yes, yeah, so yeah, like uh, on a very small movie or, or a TV show yeah, or yeah, something, yeah. something very small, you know. And so that list kind of got chopped down. <laughs> I looked at this one, Daniel Day Lewis. Yeah, imagine him playing a villain like he did in Gangs of New York, mm-hmm. Bill the Butcher. He'd be an awesome Western oh, yeah. villain. Oh yeah. Like imagine that. Like yeah. that'd be that'd be crazy. Will it ever happen? Supposedly he's retired. He's retired several times. Sure. Um I just don't know if a Western is the movie that he would you know mm. get up for, you know. I'm trying yeah. I'm trying to think of who 
Because now he's been working with uh, Paul Thomas Anderson what, in the last... He's done he, three he, movies with him yeah. now. He'd make uh, an interesting Western. Yeah. Paul Thomas Anderson directing a Western yeah. with Daniel Day-Lewis. Yeah. And no, There Will Be Blood does not count as a Western. No. Yes, it's co- in the West. It's not <laughs> a standard Western. What you'd see is what I think the gist of the question is. Yeah, like a gun, gunslinger. Right, exactly. That kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I have Daniel Day-Lewis as well. I put Jack Rayner in here because I liked him uh, from Sing Street mm-hmm. and a couple of the projects I've seen him in. Margot Robbie would be interesting in a Western to mm-hmm. see what she would do. Shailene Woodley. Shailene Woodley has that kind of earthy approach to her work. So wouldn't that be something if she was like one of these kind of like, you know, lower status type of girls involved in, or, you know, like, cause at that time women weren't really uh, respected in the Western mm-hmm. genre. Wouldn't that be interesting to turn that on its head and make her become the gunslinger, make mm-hmm. her become whatever you see. And we've seen this with, uh, with Michelle Williams. We've seen it with Natalie Portman. They mm-hmm. take on these kind of Western films and kind of turn them around it, in a way. Was it Jane got a gun? Then Jane got a gun and Meek's cutoff is the Michelle Williams. Oh, okay. I haven't Michelle seen Williams. That was done. Uh, and then I know you, you're a big fan of this series. I'm halfway through Godless. Oh, Godless, which is fantastic. Lady, Lady Mary holding a rifle. Yeah, Michelle That's something. Dockery, yeah, Michelle yeah. Dockery from Downton Abbey. So uh, I would throw Jessica Chastain in there. There's no way she doesn't belong in a Western. Yeah, that steely she, resolve of hers. She's kind of in one. That's why I didn't throw Tom Hardy oh. in. Lawless is like a kind uh, of a Western. Yeah, but it's, it's so, half gangster. It's bo- yeah, it's yeah, bootleg and It's stuff. like yeah. half gangster, half Western. Right, so. right. It's close enough so, that you could see uh, shades of what you could do with it. Yeah, so yeah. I would put Tom Hardy in there as well if, mm. if that one doesn't count. That one doesn't count. I think okay. Tom Hardy would okay. be great. And Michael B. Jordan, I think, would be interesting as yeah. well in a Western. Um, and Pedro Pascal. Jesus, oh, Pedro yeah, yeah. Pascal. I'm, I'm halfway through Triple Frontier right now. Uh, and Pedro is just incredible. Is in that, I mean, he's in awesome that. in Game of Thrones. He's yeah. only in one season, and he's He's a legend. He's a legend. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Well, all right. Well, what do you guys think? Let us know your answers in the comments section to all these questions. I want to thank the fans for sending in the questions. Always great to get your interesting, incisive, and long questions. Try to keep them a little bit shorter because I try to have trouble picking the longer ones because of graphics issues and also the length of the show. So try to keep them short and sweet. Really helps for me to pick them out. Dennis, one of the things for stopping by. Where can people find you, man? Uh, You guys can find me on Twitter at thinkhero or Instagram, dennis.tzng, and then find me on the weekly Game of Thrones podcast, What the Throne, that comes out on Mondays, and then I'll be with you and mm-hmm. uh, Ashley and uh, Haley on the Game of Thrones reviews every Sunday. Yeah, you'll see that on Collider Video. All right, you can follow me at the Roca says on Twitter and on Instagram. Once again, when we put the calls out on Twitter and on Instagram. Make sure you put that hashtag Collider Mailbag. It makes it easy for me to find that question, or you can email us mailbag at collider.com. Always great getting your questions. Thanks. Have a great Saturday. Finish your prep for Game of Thrones. We'll be back tomorrow with a new episode of Collider Mailbag. The lovely Wendy Lee is stopping by to join me for that one. So take care, and we'll talk to you soon. It's that little chico pit bull, Mr. 305, better said Mr. Worldwide, and I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, From Negative to Positive, brought to you by my friends over at State Farm. I believe that to have success, you got to play the game so that the game doesn't play you. You know, the biggest risk you take is not taking one. It's very important that you make sure that you make the most out of your money, especially when it comes to insurance. State Farm offers surprisingly great rates. They have great agents standing by helping you personalize your coverage. All this is backed up by award-winning, easy-to-use technology. It's a great price with an even greater service. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Now is the chance to use reliable energy to grow your money with the Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. 
Our new investment product offers competitive returns, no maintenance fees, and flexible online access to your money. Make the reliable investment in reliable energy. The Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. To find out more, go online to reliabilityinvestment.com. That's reliabilityinvestment.com.